I killed my first uh, first deer with a bow when I was 13, and then passion just kept evolving as we went. It's crazy how like being on edge and alert for that long, just just sitting there will take that much energy out of you. Mike actually, uh, my co- I guess you call him co-host, co-owner, whatever partner. Um, he just went to Alaska last um, last spring and killed a brown bear. So. That was kind of out of his realm. The altitude just kills us. I mean, like, the whole way up the mountain, we're just dying. We did it. We packed it all in one day. It took us, like, nine hours of hiking and everything. Set up our camp, and the next morning, ended up killing a 170-inch 4x4. Do you even really get excited anymore when one comes in or whatever? You're about to shoot them. Like, it's the same as it always has been. Like, you, you may be able to control it differently, but you still get the same feelings. This is Sean Luckdell with episode 36 of Living Country in the City. Y'all ready for your dose of flyover state spirit? Straight from the concrete jungle? Well, put down your latte and pull on your boots. It's time for Living Country in the City. Hey, y'all. Thanks for joining me for episode 36 of Living Country in the City. If you haven't already, make sure you search for Living Country in the City on iTunes, Stitcher, or whatever your favorite podcast platform is, and subscribe. I'm always releasing new content, and the best way to make sure you don't miss out is by subscribing. Also, if you enjoy the podcast, please take a moment to help the podcast grow by leaving a quick rating and review. Whether you're just looking to stay warm during a hunt or need maximum concealment, the clothing you wear can make or break a hunt. At MidwayUSA.com, we understand hunting clothing has come a long way with more meticulously crafted camo patterns, advanced scent control technologies, and weatherproof options to withstand the elements. Hunters have to wait until their favorite season, but shouldn't wait on gear, which is why Midway USA offers super fast shipping. When you're ready for your next system, log on to MidwayUSA.com. Midway USA brand product designers have one straightforward goal, develop high quality, technically sound products and deliver them to customers at reasonable prices. If you are immersed in the shooting sports industry and pay close attention to every single detail, you know our products are built right and stand up to everyday use. Who has shooting mats and range bag systems to hunting clothing and just about everything for the outdoors? Log on and shop 24-7 with super fast shipping. MidwayUSA.com Now today I'm talking with Sean Luchtel of Heartland Bowhunter. Sean's been hunting Midwest Whitetail for pretty much his whole life, but has, in the past few years, along with the guys from Heartland Bowhunter, started spending a bit more time out west in the high country. He's definitely got a different perspective than the guys who have been out here their whole lives, so I'm very excited to hear a bit more of his story. Sean, thanks for hopping on the show. Yeah, thanks for having me, man. I'm excited to do this, and uh, sounds like you're really new to, to the industry, which is making this even more interesting, just talking to you before we got on here, so let's get started. Oh, definitely. Um, so I always like to start out with, why don't you just kind of give a little bit of background kind of about yourself and just how you got into hunting and the outdoors. So I started bow, well, hunting, I, I would say probably at like 10 or 11. And then uh, bow hunting is kind of like my uh, my specialty, I guess. I wouldn't say that I'm great at it, but I enjoy doing it the most. <laughs> but um, I did that. I started doing that when I was 12 and I, I killed my first uh, first deer with a bow when I was 13. And then passion just kept evolving as we went or as I went, um, since my dad had got me started into it and then started hanging out with a buddy from high school and bow hunting together all the time. We started filming it. And then, uh, here we are today. We started a company that like 11 years ago, 10, 11 years ago. And, uh, we're on our 11th season of Heartland Bowhunter on the outdoor channel. So 
it's come a long ways. Uh, we still have plans to keep going even further. And uh, I can honestly say I wake up every day enjoying what I do. That's awesome, man. So why don't you uh, tell me a little bit more about Heartland Bowhunter? Uh, yeah. So so HB, um, this is our 11th season. Um, it's not our 11th season on the Outdoor Channel. It's just the 11th season since we started. Um, I, I think we've been on the Outdoor Channel for five years now. We'll be going to five years this coming um, this coming year, so in 2018. Um, and we just started basically with filming our hunts, and we kind of saw a niche in the industry. There wasn't anyone really telling a specific story as to why they were there or you know what what their hunts were like. It was more or less like just a filmed hunt and a kill, and that was it. Um, and we saw that there's much more there to be captured and a lot bigger story to be told. And so from that, it kind of aligned with our passion to, to capture everything. And, um, we're all self-taught, uh, as far as, you know, behind the camera, our, our production, um, just everything. And, uh, once we saw our niche and got into the industry, uh, our cinematography and storytelling capabilities kind of took off. And I think we kind of created just our own, our own niche that was that was already there that needed to be met and um it changed the industry a little bit a lot of people really started to pay a lot bigger attention to video production and how they how they told their story and what cameras they may have been using uh just their editing style all of it and i can honestly say i'm i'm really glad that happened because i don't know that there was any other way that i would have made it into the industry because outside of our our production quality we're just average dudes that that love to bow hunt and we're not any different than anyone else. We're not like huge, you know, celebrities as far as um, our personalities go. We don't see ourselves that way. Even though some of us might think that we are, we're, we're definitely not. <laughs> yeah. You know, honestly, that's one thing I love uh, generally about this industry. You know, there's always going to be egos and personalities. But, I mean, you know, running this podcast, I've got a chance to talk to some really cool people. And... Everyone has been just so accessible <clears throat> and like, you know, the big quote unquote, you know, big celebrities in hunting for the most part are just like, they almost get embarrassed when you're like, oh man, you know, it's like so nice to meet you. And yeah, and it's just, it's kind of a funny thing. And, uh, and you know, I get, I always, I always tell my friends, you know, I live in the middle of Hollywood and, you know, they, so many of them, it's like, oh my gosh, you know, I saw so-and-so today on Hollywood Boulevard and, and that really doesn't, you know, there's a few people that I get excited about, but then like the days, like I get, I'll be at work and I'll be like, oh my gosh, you guys, you won't believe who I just got to talk to. And everyone yeah. just looks at me, just like blank stares, except for like the one dude in my office that knows hunting and he gets all excited with me. <laughs> yeah. He's like, dang, man, you guys talk to them? Yeah, yeah, just yesterday I was uh, I was in Salt Lake on a layover, and uh, a guy came up to me. Like, I had my head down. I was on my phone just sitting amongst a bunch of people, and this dude comes over and, like, nudges me. And I was like, oh, sorry. I, th I, I thought I was blocking, like, the seat next to me or something. <laughs> He's like, hey, you're Sean. And I was like, yeah, uh, who are you? <laughs> and he's like, I love the show, man. And I was like, oh. I was like, thanks, I appreciate it, you know. And then he was asking what I was asked me what I was doing, where I was coming from, where I was going, and all that. And then, like, I was still like slow. It was slow to me because I just didn't didn't expect it. And then um, shortly after that, once I landed at home in Kansas City, I I I uh, 
actually, or one of his friends had hit me up on Instagram, um, saying that his buddy had gotten to meet me in the airport. And so I found the guy on there and messaged him and apologized because he caught me off guard. Like I was just like, I didn't, I was just really slow with the way I was talking. Cause I was like, I, <laughs> I just totally out of it. Just not expecting it. But yeah, it, it's still, it's strange. Like you're saying, um, for people to, to kind of call us celebrities or whatever you may want to think that we are or something like that. We're just average dudes, just like everyone else. And so when those moments do happen, it's really, really cool to meet people like that. Um, including yourself. It's awesome to talk to new hunters, like you were saying. Um, and just, just, uh, shoot. The <laughs> <shit>. <laughs> I, uh, I will say, you know, I, I've got the podcast cover is a picture of me with a, you know, idiot grin, you know, wearing my cowboy hat and stuff. And, um, and so I was at total archery challenge in Utah and I, you know, I got there kind of late and there's people wandering around and like, I, it wasn't super clear where I needed to go, uh, just to get to the main thoroughfare and everything. And so kind of wandering around some, I see some guy kind of look over at me and we make eye contact. I'm like, Oh, I'll go ask this guy for directions. And I walk up and, uh, I was about to be like, Hey man, you know, do you, and, and he's like, Hey, living country in the city. Right. And I'm like, Oh crap. I've met this guy before and I don't remember. I'm like, I felt so bad. Um, cause you know, I'd been to Utah a couple of times, just like in the months prior, like we, I'd, I'd mentioned and, um, and I was like, Hey man, good to see you. <laughs> and totally playing the card. Uh, you know, like the, like you knew yeah, bro, totally remember you. I, yeah. Cause I felt like such a jerk. Cause I, I will remember a face forever, but I'm really bad with names. And like, I just didn't recognize this guy. Right. And then all of a sudden he's like, Hey man, I love your podcast. And I'm like, oh, it clicked. <laughs> oh, I like, I've never felt cooler in my life. Yeah. I will admit, uh, Brian, if you're out there listening to this, man, um, <laughs> thank you for the coolest moment of my life. Um, but yeah, that was fun. That was a lot of fun, I have to say. And that was like the first time I kind of, I'm like, wow, people actually listen to this stuff. <laughs> yeah. Whenever I, uh, whenever you, you hit me up on Instagram about it, I was like, man, this guy, like your, your thumbnail or whatever you call it, um, with your cowboy hat and the, the grin. <laughs> Um, uh, yeah, I saw. I was like, man, this guy's official. This must be a real big deal because it looks. I mean, it looks legit. Like, I mean, you not that you're not. You are. I'm just saying. Like, it looked, it looked really professional. I was like, man, this guy must have a really big thing going. And then I looked into it more, and I saw you're only on like your thirty. Well, this is thirty six. I was like, oh, he's just getting started, which is great. And then when you told me your background, it's even cooler. I think that that you've gotten this far um, so quickly, and obviously you've got a following going on, which is great. Well, you know, it's, I mean, it's like, like we were talking, it's thanks to just people being so generous with their time and every, every, every time somebody like writes me back, it's like, yeah, sure, man, I'd love to hop on. I'm still surprised and, and super grateful, super excited. And to you as well, man. Yeah, for sure. Did you, you had Jim Shockey on here? I don't, don't even ask me how I I still am, am. in disbelief that that he came on i saw saw that and i was like well i'll be on there (laughs) (laughs) like this guy's really good man which you i mean so far it's been great man that's that's awesome kudos to you for getting getting jim on here he's 
if anybody's big, it's Jim. <laughs> well, you know, it's funny. Uh, we were talking earlier about, um, you know, just uh, people's reactions when I tell them that I'm going, you know, on a solo archery elk hunt in, in Idaho. It, everyone's kind of like just has that reaction like, whoa. And I knew I knew I was doing something pretty crazy when I'm talking with Jim Shockey and he's kind of like, oh, wow, you're you're really doing it. Um, yeah. When when Jim Shockey is kind of impressed by what you're taking on, I think I think you're uh, you're definitely doing something pretty crazy. So I <laughs> I'm looking forward. To- yeah. How many days? Uh, how many days are you hunting there? Uh, it's going to be 10 days, in, but that'll include my driving, so I'll probably be actually hunting on the ground for about seven and a half days, something like that. Um, oh, wow. And how far are you, like, packing in, you know? Uh, the spots I'm looking at right now, it's probably going to be two-mile pack-in, uh, depending on where I camp. It'll be in that in that area, Um I found some good back roads. I'm talking to some rangers right now to make sure everything's going to be open. Mm-hmm. But I found some good roads and then some good back areas to get into what look like hopefully some good elk spots. So yeah, we will see. That's cool. That's, that'll be fun, man. That'll be a huge learning experience, and I'm sure uh, I'm sure you'll go back honestly because any at least with any experience that I've ever had like that, I uh, you know the first year. I've, it's always been a huge learning curve for me. And then when you come back again, like you, you know what to expect. So, you know, you know, how far you, how much further you want to push yourself or where you want to go. And yeah. And it's just, that's the funnest part about it. As far as I'm concerned, it's like, or the most fun. Um, it's just learning every time you go and figuring stuff out even more and getting closer to animals and, and all that. So. You know, if I can, if I can come back and feel like I learn, you know, regardless of what I take, don't get, you know, and as I keep saying, don't get me wrong, like my goal is to go in and take a friggin' elk and first come sure. packing out heavy. Yeah. But, you know, if I can go in and I can spend the whole time out there and learn and just really come home with something valuable and, and be better uh, for for next season or the next hunt I go on or... You know, because I mean, everything you learn can be applied to another hunt in one in one way or the other. You know, it it may not be the exact situation, but I will learn something on this trip that's going to help me if I'm chasing deer out. You know, yeah, up in the mountains outside of L.A. Um, or if I'm you know go up to Northern California to chase bear or something, it, whatever it may be, or chasing pig in Central California. You know, completely different states, but I'll learn things that will come in handy. I'm sure. I have no doubt. Absolutely, and I think that going on hunts like that that are that are kind of out of a lot of people's realm, like they they give you a huge, huge appreciation for everyday life. And, and I don't know. I think it kind of makes things a little bit easier once you get home. You're like, man. Sometimes you think you got it rough, like with certain things, and then when you go put yourself in that environment, that's when it's a little more actually rough um, and a little bit tougher to tougher to live. <laughs> When you run into those daily disappointments, it's a little less concerning than that time that you had to confront the grizzly bear on right. the, or de-escalate. De-escalating a confrontation with a coworker is a, a lot simpler than de-escalating a confrontation with a, an angly, you know, angly, angly, 
gangly no <laughs> angry grizzly bear or something like that yeah. so yeah, yeah we've been in sticky situations too and not with bears thank god I, I haven't messed with that but um or had to but uh <laughs> like dehydration and stuff like that is there water where you're going there's a ton of water well according to google maps and from what i've seen so far there's a ton of water um that'll that'll be nice because i've i've done most of my hiking and camping and a lot of the stuff i've done has been in the desert because i mean yeah technically i live i mean it's a we put a bunch of pavement over it but i technically for the most part live in a desert (laughs) Mm -hmm. and so you know i'm not i'm used to having to pack in if i'm carrying water it's it's all i get um and so this will be this will be a nice change. <clears throat> um, you know, I got all the water filters and all. I've got the Steripan. I've got the Aqua Tabs. I've got the the MSR filter. I've got all of that good stuff. That's one thing I do not. I <laughs> I just do not want to deal with Giardia. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's it's uh it's tough, man. That's I've never had to deal with that either. But like, yeah, the the whole water situation. Like some people don't don't. I mean, I'm sure you've thought about it, especially if you since you live in the desert, but. <laughs> um, <laughs> Like we've ran into people on the mountain that have ran out of water and or just didn't pack it necessarily thinking that there was water there and dehydration is no joke. You don't want to mess with that stuff. That's it's a bad deal. Yeah. But so one thing I love about Heartland Bowhunter and, it, you know, once again, I'm fairly new to all of this. And so I've I've only kind of watched within the last few seasons. Um, but I love that you guys have a variety of, of stuff that you do. You know, you're not it's not just really focused on, you know, weird. I know it's like you said, it's your passion is, you know, chasing those, those white tails. And yeah, it, you know, I, <clears throat> I feel like, come on, Heartland, it's kind of in the name right there. But, yeah. uh, you know, you, like you said, you, you were just back from Montana. You're just back from Utah. I love a lot of that variety, but I'm assuming that's, that's a fairly comparatively to your history of hunting. That's a fairly recent thing for y'all, right? Yeah. So like the past, um, three, four years, we've kind of worked our way, um, into hunting Western States and backcountry hunts a little bit more. Um, Mike actually, uh, yeah, my, uh, my co- I guess you'd call him co-host, co-owner, whatever partner. Um, <laughs> that, uh, we, uh, he just went to Alaska last, um, last spring and killed a brown bear. So that was kind of out of his realm. Uh, yeah, we've just really gone out West and he went to, like I said, he went to Alaska and we're just kind of branching out doing different hunts outside of just the whitetail world, just to, just the experience. Um, I know it's called Heartland Bowhunter and we're, we're based around whitetail and that's kind of where our roots are and that's where we come from. But yeah, we've been branching out, trying new things and had a blast doing it. It's been a huge learning curve and met a lot of cool people along the way, man. Especially like you were saying in Utah, man, the people there are so nice. There are so many people that we met in Utah that have been super generous and offered to help us out with anything that we've ever wanted, any information that we've been trying to seek on different areas and stuff like that. So, yeah, it's it's been fun just figuring out um, these Western states and just doing different hunts. So what are what are some of like the the biggest differences you see in kind of the style of hunting you're used to versus coming out west for these backcountry hunts? Um, well, in Missouri, uh, it is a lot different than than the western hunting, just because our whitetail stuff is there's a lot more uh, preparation that we do. Not that 
not that there's not a ton of preparation that goes into the Western stuff. Um, because if we lived there, we'd scout all the time, which we don't have that, that chance to do since we live here in Missouri, but in Missouri where it's more or less like running different trail cameras all the time, food plots, hanging tree stands, um, always paying attention to the wind and the weather and all that stuff. Whereas with the Western stuff, it's, I mean, you get to hunt every day and you kind of, you kind of make your own luck as far as, um, the scouting goes as far as you want to hike and um, as much as you want to glass, you're going to find an animal hopefully. And then from there on, it's, it's up to you to make the stock and the shot. And that's what I kind of like a lot more about um, Western stuff rather than, than the stuff here in Missouri is it's kind of up to you when you, when you go in for a stock, you can make the stock happen or uh, you could screw it up. Whereas here it's like, you can just pick a tree stand and you hope that he's going to come walking in. So there is something about it that kind of feels a little bit more like you're taking control of your own destiny with the hunt, if you will. Yeah. yeah. Granted, they're both a waiting game in, in some sense, but with the spot and stock, I mean, you get to you get to get up close and personal on the ground level with them, which is which is a lot of fun. Yeah, I mean, either with with either way you hunt, you have to to some extent go where the animals are and. And they have to be there. They have to be coming to a spot where you can can get to them. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, I guess the the one benefit with Western hunting is you, if you choose to, you can go a bit further and go where those animals are. Versus you're a little more. I mean, you know, and there's the options. Like I've got a I've got a climbing stand in my in uh, in my storage unit right behind the the apartment and. I can, uh, you know, if I really wanted to, strap that on my back and and hike in. I have zero plans of doing that, but <laughs> that is definitely it's definitely not a lightweight sand. <laughs> um, yeah, that's what I I used to do that when I whenever uh, back in high school, man. I had a climber and I used that thing all the time, and it was it was so fun, especially back then. I didn't, which you got. I don't know if you um, have the opportunity to run very many trail cameras, but it's great running trail cameras um, here in the Midwest and knowing what to expect when you go in. But then you totally miss that whole aspect of what it used to be like when I did have like a climber and I'd go into onto some property and hunt or whatever and not knowing at all. I had zero education of what animals live there. So, you know, you always have the thought in the back of your mind that there could be like a 200 inch deer living there that you don't even know about or any kid walk in, which the, the, uh, yeah, just the, the thought of the unknown is is something that I kind of miss in that aspect. Not that it couldn't still happen, but it's a little less likely to happen. Yeah. No, I uh, I bought my first two trail cams with every intention of uh, I wanted to actually throw them up to see if I could find some bear uh, uh-huh. out in the San Gabriel Mountains outside of L.A. Here, and I believe they're still sitting next to my bed in the plastic in the box they were shipped in. Um, I have just been. Oh, wow. <laughs> I've just had zero time. Like anytime I go out hiking, like it hasn't been lately. It hasn't been in an area where I'm going to go set those up. And it's just, everything has been, every waking moment has just been focused on chasing these elk. But, um, yeah, my, my only, my only real hunts, you know, as I mentioned before, um, was, you know, I sat, uh, I was out in Mississippi for Thanksgiving last year. And I sat in a tree stand for uh, several days out of out of that whole week. Um, saw a few. Uh, definitely nothing came within range. 
I, I learned how very quickly how still you have to be in those in those tree stands. Yeah. Um and how quiet you have to be coming in too. That yeah. was uh that was definitely something new for me and but it's it's funny, it's a skill in and of itself. Like you know, it's it's that skill of like, okay, being absolutely still but not just completely like zoning out and like you have to be alert the whole time. I know it's it's one of the strangest things because like you'll go sit in a tree stand for three four hours um, in an evening or a morning, whatever it may be, and you come back and you are you are tired. Like you're you might be drained sometimes, especially if the weather's kind of bad. And it's it's crazy how like being on edge and alert for that long, just just sitting there will take that much energy out of you or even just the weather sometimes like if it was cold or something like that or rainy or whatever like it just totally it totally can drain you sometimes and yeah like you said just sitting there for that long when you're you're trying not to necessarily move but you're alert it it's pretty fun yeah well and then you also learn how stinking loud a single leaf can be falling through the branches of a tree i'm like I remember sitting there, I'm like, that has to be a stinking deer, man. That thing is like crashing through the forest. Yeah. And I look, I kind of, and I slowly turn, I look towards the source. I'm like, that is one dry leaf, one falling through the branches of a tree. How can that be so loud? (laughs) Or a squirrel, like running around. You're like, oh, it's a deer coming. Here comes a deer. Then there's two squirrels running after each other. (laughs) Oh, man. The worst I remember was... uh, my first day, first day, um, I was sitting, I think I was sitting over a feeder and, uh, I'm, I'm not, hadn't really heard anything all day long, you know? And all of a sudden I hear something walking through and I'm like, it's, you know, the, it's kind of getting in dusk a little bit, you know, I've got probably another hour and a half left of, of good shooting light. And yeah. and I hear something and I'm like, oh, this is it this is actually going to happen. Like I was, I was so pumped. I had so much adrenaline going like, this is my first time in a tree stand. First time, like any of this. Yeah. And it comes and I'm like, I can't see it. Like this thing, it's like, should be right underneath me. Where is this? All of a sudden a freaking possum walks out uh, and like yeah. starts chewing at the tree. <laughs> I, I was so wired. Like, Oh my gosh, I could have yelled. And I was I was just so close to taking a pot shot at that possum just to because because I'm like I got what and you know at this point I think by the time it you know it all was said and done I think I had about 45 minutes left of shooting light and I was just so I was just so done with that possum and then right right as all the light dies I hear I can and I can see just flashes of a rack uh, coming uh, coming through like right right in front like a shadow of it right in front and i'm like ah oh, if this you if you were only a half an hour earlier dang yeah, awesome but that's what's funny man that's that's what's awesome about all of it is just different just seeing different animals and kind of learning learning all of it and yeah i've had the possum thing happen i don't know how many times same thing with a raccoon it's funny i remember my first few uh first few years of bow hunting when i was really young and I think I had a mouse or something come through like you could bear it. It was so dead calm, but there were leaves all over the ground and it was a mouse. Like, I'm like, what is that? And looking <laughs> and it, like I finally figured it out. I'm like, I think it's a mouse like right below me. But yeah, just, just learning like different sounds and what, what's what. And then when it's a deer and then also them coming in after, after dark, that's the, 
That's the worst. <laughs> oh, man. Well, it's amazing. Like, you're convinced that every stinking sound, everything in the forest sounds like a deer walking to your tree stand. I mean, I swear, every sound in the forest sounds like that, except for a deer walking directly underneath your tree stand. It, yeah. I swear, I remember the probably the one time they got the closest to me was I, I thought I saw something out of the corner of my eye. And so, you know, I slowly turned my head and I sat there, I stared for, you know, five, six minutes, you know, just, just moving my eyes, not moving my head, nothing. And, uh, I, I looked everywhere. I mean, I swear I scanned this like I was glass and dark timber, couldn't see a thing. And so, you know, and now I, oh, I guess there's nothing. I just kind of turned my head back and I just see a flash of that white. And, yeah. and two of them are gone, probably, oh gosh, probably not even 20 yards from me. And like, you have to be kidding me. There's, I mean, I swear, I searched every shadow yeah. in that area. And I did not hear a single thing of them coming up to me, not a sound until they were crashing away. And it just killed me. Yeah, that's, that's funny. I, I don't know. I don't I, I, I've done that a hundred times. <laughs> I can only I can only imagine how often that happens. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, it's super aggravating. I feel like when when well, it's fun and aggravating at the same time. <laughs> like during the rut, when like a buck's chasing a doe, and and they may not be really close to you, but and you're watching them from a distance, and you're trying to get an eye on him on how big he is, and like they're going so fast, they go over the hill, and you like just barely get a glimpse. You're like, I don't even know if that's a big one or not. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that's what it kind of reminded me of. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. So, so what, uh, what are some of the biggest challenges coming from, uh, this more chasing whitetail style of hunting going into the back country, into the, into the high country? What were, what were some of the biggest challenges? What maybe did you expect? Uh, and what was like a big surprise for you when you got out there? The biggest thing and it happens every year when we go out there, is the altitude. I mean, I think we're at, like, my watch should tell me, I think right here in Missouri, yeah, we're at 2,000 feet. And I don't even know if that's right. I feel like it's less than that. But um, I was going to say, you got about 1,800 feet on me. <laughs> really? Yeah, I, feel, I still feel like that's a little much for yeah. for where we live. But um, going there and, and hunting, we, we're always usually camping at least at 10,000. And... Oh my gosh. So we'll drive from here, which is about a 16, 17 hour drive. Get there. Uh, like we'll, we'll make the drive in one night or day. Um, and, uh, we'll get there, sleep a night and then we hike up the next day and the altitude just kills us. I mean, like the whole way up the mountain, we're just dying and carrying, you know, 60, 70 pound packs going up. That thing is just, it's so hard on you and it doesn't matter how much you prepare for it. Like I'll, I'll do, tons of cardio and just tried to put myself in the same scenario here with a backpack and all that. And you can't prepare for the altitude because I mean, there's just not as much oxygen in the air and it, it just kills you. Like 
this year, you know, you, this would be my fifth year going into it. And I, I know full on what to expect now and what I'm getting myself into. And it doesn't intimidate me, but gosh, dang that the altitude, you just, you just can't breathe. And so going into that, that's like, that's probably the biggest thing that, that I, uh, that I'm always, I always have a struggle with and there's no way to fix it except for just acting yourself and be there. Like if I, if I got there a week in advance, that would obviously help tremendously because by the time that we're done, um, we've typically hunted for seven days or so where we can get around the mountains really, really well. Um, but even then, like compared to here, as far as the hiking goes, we might want like, you might walk two, 300 yards to go to your tree stand here. There you're walking like, <laughs> six, seven miles to get to your camp. And, and then when you go glass in the morning, you may go hike a mile just to get to your glassing point. So it's a lot bigger country, which is, which is fun. I love the challenge. Um, I just wish there was a way to prepare for the altitude. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I've uh, like, I know people that, that wear like those altitude training masks and yeah. I've heard, you know, some guys swear by them. Everything I've read basically says, yeah, it'll make you feel like you're at altitude, but it won't actually ever train your lungs to really. Right. It, it all from what I've heard and read is that all it does is just restrict how much oxygen comes into the mask, which isn't the actual actually the same as far as like the oxygen levels in the air. And so, yeah, that's why I haven't even tried them just because I've never really heard of it full on 100% working. Um, yeah. And I've tried I tried uh before I went out to total archery challenge, I started taking uh altitude like supplement that's supposed to help acclimate you. Uh-huh. That seemed to help a little bit. And I know some other people that have done like tests and and tried some stuff out and that helped a little bit, but yeah, short of just going out there, you know, a few days to a week early and breathing the the lack of oxygen <laughs> letting yeah. your body acclimate there's just nothing you can do really no i know and that's like there were these uh there were these local guys when we were we were on our way up to our uh campsite this year that they were huskier dudes like a little bigger than us and they were just burning past us and you're like what the come on <laughs> like <laughs> I thought I was in great shape, and then this guy just burning past me, and it, a lot of it has to do with the altitude. Just even where I mean, they live there at the bottom of the mountains, which is like, I think like five or six thousand feet, and that helps a whole lot. So, well, you know, it's it's amazing. Like I, I'll admit, like I can I can plot along. Like it doesn't matter how tired my legs get, my back, you know, whatever. I can keep plotting along, but yeah, it's when my lungs start burning. That's what kills me. And I, like, I, I suck at you. I, I will sit and just even, even here at the low altitudes when I'm, when I'm hiking and stuff, I'm a panter. I am like yeah. mouth open. I'm surprised I'm not drooling like, <gasps> <gasps> and you know, at least here though, like I can get my heart rate back down and I'm good after like about five seconds, man, I went yeah. on a, I went on a hike, uh, with uh the gritty bowman um oh, yeah. a few months ago uh we did we were out for i went out for an event and they did a hike the next day and man i was just the whole time i was just grasping for every little molecule of oxygen i could suck into my lungs it was bad yeah your recovery on that is so much 
so much longer too. That's what I noticed when, when we were out there. I'm like, man, even if I don't have anything on my back, if we were just like going to scout something really quick or glass something up, like you may hike, you know, a few hundred yards up a hill and just standing there trying to catch your breath just takes so much longer. There's <laughs> not, not as much, much oxygen, but once, once you get used to it, it's like you're at home again, but that takes a little while. <laughs> well, it's funny. And then like, I came home, I remember after that and I felt like such a champ on my first hike after that, I'm like, yeah, yeah, okay. like, this is easy. You know, I got all this air. I'm not like sucking wind at all. Yeah. yeah that doesn't last very long though. No, <laughs> um, no unfortunately you got to like, I, I feel like you got to do it uh, every couple days or whatever. And if you take like a week or two break, you kind of lose it. Yeah. Yeah. These struggles, you know, I guess that's, it wouldn't be nearly as fun if it wasn't difficult, right? <laughs> that's right. Exactly right. Yeah, I'm, I'm anxious to hear how this uh, this Idaho thing is going to go. <laughs> I've got a lot. Of, it's funny, you know, I, I talked to a lot of people and, uh, you know, everyone's been like, oh, man, I got to I got to hear how this goes for you. You know, and it's because yeah. I think everyone remembers their first hunts and, you know, it, it's it's cool to have so many people so excited for me. Like it's it's I don't want to say like it puts a lot of pressure on me, but it's like. I don't know. It's it's like super encouraging. It makes me want to work like harder because I kind of feel like I'm like okay, I'm I'm doing it for myself, yeah. But I'm like, oh man, I got all these people excited for me too. I want to like push extra hard, you know, for them and and sure. stuff. Yeah. And then of course, you know, I'm putting myself out there with this podcast. I'm like, hey, everybody, pay attention to what I'm doing. Ooh, this is this is a lot of pressure now. <laughs> yeah. No, you'll be fine. It'll be a blast. And I mean, I. I, I feel like I'm more excited for you just because like I don't I don't feel like very awful. I don't actually ever I don't think I've met someone that got into bow hunting in the past year and they're already going on their first backcountry hunt. That's, that's really, <laughs> especially alone, which is even more cool. That'll be uh that's a lot of determination and you just don't I don't know I don't feel like I've met anyone that motivated for something like that that quickly, which is that's very unique, man. That'll be cool. I'm I'm excited. I still. I don't know. I don't think it, I, I'm not sure it's fully, fully, the realization has fully set in, you know, I'm yeah, thinking yeah. once I get about 10 hours into the drive and I'm, I'm hitting, hitting the mountains in the Jeep, I think that's when it'll, it'll really start becoming real for me. So yeah, it, it becomes reality when you're driving and then, and then you get there, you're like, Oh man, I really am doing this. <laughs> but after, I feel like after that first day or so, and you start, once you start figuring stuff out, that's when it, you get into a groove and you just, you'll, you'll really, really enjoy it. I think. Uh, definitely. So, so what have been some of your, I mean, I, I know this is like try trying to pick a, a favorite child here, but <laughs> what have been some of your, your favorite hunts that you've, uh, that you've done maybe, uh, maybe, but from both aspects, you know, just, uh, a favorite animal you've taken or favorite hunt, uh, that's more what you grew up doing and then maybe a favorite, uh, as far as the backcountry. Um, I would say the most meaningful hunt that I've probably been on this, this past, uh, this past December was with my dad. So he's the one that got me into all of this, um, at a young age. And so he was hunting whenever I, I was too young to even go out there with him. And so that was kind of, that, that was what got me into it and got me started wanting to go out. And so, I started to go with him um, at a young age and then evolved into what it is today. But this past December, 
um, there was a deer on his farm that we'd been, we'd been after all year long. Um, we'd watched him grow to be five and a half years old. We'd passed him and everything and hoped for, uh, the neighbors not to shoot him. Um, <laughs> and so, yeah, it was, this, this was episode, I believe it was episode 11 on our season this year. I should know this or no, it was 12. I'm sorry. It was 12 and which just, just aired, um, this past week. And he, uh, yeah, he, um, he ended up killing this buck in December last year and it was, it was the biggest buck to date. Um, just being there to capture all of it. I filmed, filmed the whole thing, which was really, really cool. I'd even tried to kill the deer earlier on myself in the year and was unsuccessful. So I'd had encounters with him and all that. And we'd both passed him up in years prior, like I was saying, and just to capture him killing that deer, that was, that was by far the most meaningful one that I've been on. And it wasn't even my own deer, which makes it even more cool. I think, um, but as far as my own whitetails go, uh, I shot one with Mike. Was it back in 2010? Um, my biggest whitetail to date is a buck called Junior, and uh, just kind of one of our one of my big. It was my biggest personal um, whitetail, and just just same thing. Watching that deer grow to uh, to maturity and being there on opening day, waiting for the right conditions and all that. Actually they really weren't right conditions. It was a thunderstorm <laughs> and like terrible thunderstorm. And we stuck it out and ended up killing him in the rain, which was really cool. Um, so that one, and then I would say as far as my, my, uh, all time favorite hunt, um, most meaningful and rewarding for myself. I, I go back to Utah again, man. I just, I love that state. It, um, I killed a buck there four years ago. Um, and it was the first time that we had ever actually full on taken our entire camp and gone to the high country. We were just, we were staying low. We were intimidated by the, the high country stuff. And we'd messed around for like six, seven days down low, down in the trees and everything. And we just hadn't, hadn't had any luck. And we had like a couple days left and we're like, you know what, let's, we got to go up there. We got to pack our stuff in and and we did it. We packed it all in one day. It took us like nine hours of hiking and everything, set up our camp. And the next morning I ended up killing a 170 inch four by four, which my, my levels of expectations were much lower than that. I would have shot something way smaller than him. <laughs> I ended up finding him like right off the bat that morning. Um, and he was just with some other bucks and they ended up just going down the side of the mountain and he broke off from from them i figured they'd all bed together and he went off on his own and laid down underneath this uh this dead log in the perfect spot and it was a two-hour stalk down this kind of like cliffy area and i ended up making a great shot on him and we worked extremely hard for that one and getting him out of there was even a lot of work but um it was just it was kind of like my uh my first it was my first real backcountry um successful hunt and it was something that I never worked so hard for. I feel like physically and mentally, a lot of people think that it's just, you know, all, all physical work up there, but there's, there's a huge mental game that goes into it. Just trying to push yourself to your, your maximum and everything you've got in you and even push yourself further than that to where you, when you think you don't have anything left in you to keep on going, you're fighting dehydration, just overheating and you're hungry, all of it and a lot of pain. And so, yeah, it was it was by far the most most rewarding um, hunt for myself that I've ever had. So that's awesome. I think I think I may have actually just watched that episode because I that remember 
I remember yeah. you talking about him betting in the episode, betting like under the log or by the log. Yeah. Um, yeah. Cause yeah, I remember when I, uh, when I was watching recently, I'm like, Ooh, Utah, I'm going to, I'm going to watch these episodes first. So, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. yeah, that was, that was, that was the one. And it, it was, it was like the biggest learning curve for me. And like I was saying earlier, that's just one of the things that I, or one of the biggest things that I love about bow hunting is just learning new stuff all the time in different areas and new things about animals like our, our, um, our hunting montana this past week it was in the breaks and um i'd never hunted the breaks for mule deer I'd, hunt, I'd hunted elk there but not in this certain area and it was completely different it was right along like the missouri river area and the this just the places that those deer bed it reminds me a lot of uh western nebraska and sand hills and stuff like that but a little bit steeper stuff and just the deer the place that those deer bed is is phenomenal and just getting into their their game and figuring out how they live and all of that and figuring out how you can stalk in and get close enough and in, in a really dry area it just it's just what makes the sport for me is just figuring it all out and whether it, it's success or failure you're still learning so that's that's one big thing that I've I've really learned is this year when we went to Utah is I had two misses and I came home empty-handed and that was the first time since that that big deer that I was just talking about and um it was kind of a humbling thing. I missed two really nice, really nice deer. Um, and I came home without anything and, you know, you you think you got it figured out and all that and you know what, you know what to expect, you know what to do, you know how to get in close. But I mean, I've been bow hunting for, what is it like 20 years now and almost 20 years and, and still to this day I miss. And a lot of people think that, you know, we're like these all-star shooters and can, you know, you're never, we never miss. And, we do miss and just to actually see that that stuff still gets to you like your adrenaline getting in close and all i mean elements. you never get excited about seeing a buck and get buck fever at yeah. all like that just doesn't happen anymore right well that's what some people really do think they think that like oh man you do you even really get excited anymore when one comes in or whatever you're about to shoot them like it's the same as it always has been like you you may be able to control it differently but you still get the same feelings so you you probably learn to recognize it and have learned tricks to deal with it but exactly. I can't I can't imagine like ever you know I mean I've seen tons I I've seen a, a million of them and I know it's going to be different when I get one within within range to draw on but I know it's going to be very different but I can't ever imagine that excitement going away like I it, I just can't and that's what that's what brings us back every time. Well, I mean, that's why we we love doing it and why we want to come back. And and even with the misses, like that's what makes you want it even more. I I I, I use it every time that I do miss as a motivational factor. Um, and try to try to turn a negative into a positive. That's that's like my biggest thing. I feel like with with the with the misses because they still happen and they're gonna happen. I'm gonna have plenty more under my belt. <laughs> Boat Trader, America's largest boating marketplace, offering easy financing and over 100,000 boat listings to choose from. Sell, find, and finance new or used boats on America's largest boating marketplace. Visit BoatTrader.com to get started. So with these last two, what do you, I mean, and, and let me know if I'm giving away something that's for an upcoming episode, but what do you think, what do you think it was that, uh, that contributed the most to it? Uh, to these misses um well the first one 
Um, I actually do have a legit excuse for this one. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. I mean, I was at 15 yards. You could like dang near like throw an arrow and hit him. And <laughs> I had like this small window to shoot from or shoot through. And he was laying in his bed, didn't even know I was there, which was, which is really cool. Like to be that close and the animal has no idea that you're even there. And I, uh, I was, it was just like trying to thread the needle and I blew my arrow. Oh, I blew up a branch with my arrow and like, like deflecting off. So that was my excuse on that one. The second one, man, I, I, I got into like 30 yards and, uh, everything like I, I couldn't really see him i could just barely see his antler tips and so i'm like well i'm gonna have to wait for him to come out of there at some point this could take you know he could walk out of there in 10 minutes or it could be four hours from now i don't know because there was no way to get any closer without him knowing and he kind of knew something was up and then we felt the wind switch and when the wind switched he obviously knew something was up and he bolted out of there and stopped quartering away at 30 like 34 yards i think and like just it all happened so fast um i flat out just missed (laughs) yeah it and it still happens and i think it's it's a combination of adrenaline um with mule deer like you can't necessarily all you have the you have to have the mindset of not being able to fully on settle in like you would with a whitetail out of a tree stand or something where you draw and you have all the time in the world to shoot them whereas with a mule deer like he he bound he bounded out of there and stopped quartering away and so i know i only have a couple seconds to just to take my shot so i probably rushed it um as well just because of the adrenaline and knowing that he's getting ready to leave so adrenaline still gets to me um yeah rushing your shot all of it uh <laughs> i i don't know it, it it that's what that's what makes it so much fun it's just the challenge and learning from your mistakes and i still make the same mistakes today that i made 15 years ago it's just trying to deal with them a little bit more now and try to fix them so i'll admit like the the two times i've ever drawn on a deer from that tree stand i don't remember a blessed thing until i was at full draw yeah i don't remember how i got from sitting down to standing up and at full draw it just and i'm sure if i had if i had ended up taking the shot or if they had gotten into range i probably wouldn't remember anything until i was halfway down that ladder (laughs) <laughs> yeah. yeah it's crazy it's so crazy like that adrenaline rush and like it all happens so fast in your mind it, it's, it's it's just crazy and like you forget the little tiny things that happen in that process and, and that's what i feel like a lot of people that don't hunt don't understand it's like oh how do you go out there and you just shoot an animal you just kill it blah blah, blah. and it's like wait a minute like, <laughs> it's not like we're just killing animals like it's it's there's a whole bigger element to it than just that and it's not like we're i mean we're human still like we still have feelings i mean you realize you're about to take a life and it's not yeah it's not what a lot of people think it is and i would encourage people to at least try it or at least put themselves in the in that atmosphere just to just to understand more of it so well you know it's it's an amazing thing we all i always i always talk about is it's hunting is conservation it's respect for the animals it's it's all of these things it's so much more than than just glorification for the hunter you know or like a some maniacal desire to go out and kill um i mean the people i know that hunt um you know and there's there's always going to be those 
that yeah, that's what they're about. They just want to go out and and put down as many animals as they can, and that's their that's all they care about. Um, but all the people I know, I mean, they invest so much time in these animals and have so much respect for them. I mean, you know, if you're, if all you're out uh, about is just going out and killing, you're not going to take the time to learn about these animals. You're not going to take the time to, to study them and their behaviors and this and that, like, it's just not worth it to that person. But, right. you know, when you want to, what's the, there's like a Fred Bear quote, um, you know, where at the end of it, he talks about, you know, just mingling his life, however briefly with that of a wild animal is something so amazing. Like, it's just mind blowing. It really is. Yeah. Like being, being out there and not, not even the ones that you're hunting, like all all the animals that are out there. Um, like when we were just in Utah this year, we had like a herd of, I, th- I think you call them a herd. I've never hunted mountain goats before, but um, <laughs> yeah, I don't I mean, know what the term is for that. Yeah. Um, yeah. So they're, they were, they were living like right there by our camp, like right on the cliffs, right next to us. And just being able to sit there and watch that every day, that, that stuff's so fun watching those, those goats on those rocks and maneuver, um, from one cliff to the next or whatever, go down up and down these things. It's just phenomenal. And see, like, I think we saw some, some golden eagles while we were out there, just all sorts of different animals and just being out there watching it and living amongst them is what, what's so much fun and being out there in the peace and quiet. Like there, there's not, I mean, we have cell phone reception, but like you, you're in and out all the time. Just, just being out there enjoying the elements is what's, what's kind of, the biggest picture I think for everyone or for most hunters and what makes it what it is. It's not all about, it's definitely not all about killing. So if people wanted to check out Heartland Bowhunter, um, where, uh, where would you recommend they start? What's uh what's a good season or maybe some good episodes for them to check out to really get a sense of the show? Well, you can, you can watch our stuff on the outdoor channel. Um, and it, our, our, uh, our main airing. So our, uh, prime spot is, Thursday nights at 9 30 uh, Eastern time. So that's like 7 30 or is it 8 30? 8, no, 6 30 um, Pacific. Yeah, <laughs> um, math, math is tough this early in the morning. It really is. And I've been flying through different time zones lately and I'm about to go to your, your time zone. So I better get, get it down. But um, yeah, so you can check it out on the outdoor channel. Um, we also have two mini series um, on Carbon TV. One is Full Strut, which is our turkey stuff. And then behind the draw, which is like kind of bonus footage um, from the TV show, we make a mini series out of. And then if you do not have access to the outdoor channel, you can purchase our season on iTunes um, and watch every episode um, through iTunes. So Awesome. I've been uh, actually using the outdoor channel. It's like the outdoor channel and sportsman's channel app. I'm sorry. Yeah, I forgot about that. MOTV. Um, you can watch us on there um, through any of your tablets or your, your phone, your computer, anything like that. Um, you can watch us on MOTV. Uh, I'm not 100% sure you may be able to answer this better because I, since I see all the episodes um, before they go to air, <laughs> I, don't, I don't look into this, which I should. Um, how does MOTV work? Is that just through, that is just through, um, it's just like, uh, it would be essential to like Hulu or something like that, right? Like you can just download 
Yeah, it's kind of like it's kind of like Netflix or Hulu where you you sign up for uh you know, you can sign up month to month or like a yearly uh a yearly subscription and uh search for the sh- I mean, there's so many stinking shows on here. Like you just type in anything and and it pops up. Um but yeah, you can uh you can like download the episodes and take them with you. So like I'll I'll usually have a few downloaded like if I feel like watching something while I'm on the Metro Underground, things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's, I mean, it's just about absolutely everything. I'm looking here to see, got you guys saved on my favorites here. <laughs> nice. I'm seeing, uh, I don't think they have all the seasons. Where is it? There we go. I always, I always, I can't, I can never find it at first. Cause you guys just kind of have the logo with HB and I'm looking uh, for it to like say Heartland Bowhunter. So it takes me a second uh-huh. to be like, Oh, there you go. Uh, looks like they got five seasons on here. Um, hmm. Well, then there you go. Yeah, check it out on MOTV. Then I would recommend that for sure. Um, and then you can watch it on your own time. You don't have to wait for uh, you to wait for our airings or recordings. There you go. It looks like we've got seasons four through nine of Heartland Bowhunter on here. Oh, perfect. Yeah, so that's like our, our older stuff, um, which I did know that. Um, so you can check out a lot of our older seasons on there if you don't have the outdoor channel or you can order them uh through iTunes. Um and our new stuff is also on iTunes as well. So okay. we're in awesome places and then also check us out on our, our Facebook, Heartland Bow Hunter, and then our um our Instagram which is Heartland Bow Hunter as well. All one word. I will definitely also make sure to be linking to all those in our show notes page. That's gonna be livingcountryinthecity.com slash thirty six. Um so as we're winding down here, I uh, always like to finish up with some advice for for new hunters or folks that, you know, from the city or that maybe just kind of getting into this but feel overwhelmed or intimidated. What uh, advice or words of wisdom would you have for those people? I would just say to, to work your way into it at your own speed. Some people like to go fast like yourself, <laughs> which that's awesome. I'm, I'm super impressed with that. That's, that's so cool. But um yeah, just go at your own speed, I feel like, uh, into the sport. Learn as much as you can, um, just like I'm sure you've done, Sam. Uh, just just read up on everything. There's a ton of information out there, um, not just through the digital world. Uh, you can, can read on it. You can watch videos. There's YouTube. There's Carbon TV. There's MOTV, all of it. Um, a lot of different avenues to learn what you want on the hunting side of things and then just work your way into it and see if it's something that you like. Um, if you're an outdoor person, I think you really will enjoy it. I, I actually, uh, I know a guy from here that currently lives in Colorado who had never hunted, um, until now. And what he's in his late twenties and he's a huge photographer. He got into photography. He started photographing some hunts. Now he's like a huge outdoorsman, loves fishing, loves hunting, loves just the whole environment. So just go at it at your own speed. And um, there's always new stuff to learn. That's that's what I love about it is we're always constantly learning new things every every time we go out, no matter what. Some people might call us experts in what we do, but we're, we're just like anyone else. We're constantly learning new things and uh, we love every bit about everything about it. So, yeah. I think that's definitely a good reminder for everyone is just that you're, you're never going to know absolutely everything about, about hunting and what you're going to do. You know, you may be more experienced in certain areas, but there's always something new to learn. And if you don't go out and, and just start 
doing it if you let lack of knowledge in certain areas discourage you from getting out there you're never going to get out there so i mean obviously yeah you should know how to shoot your weapon and you should know what the animal you're hunting looks like and some of the basics <laughs> right but yeah. uh yeah if you let uh let certain things discourage you you'll just never never get out there but that's exactly right and you don't you don't even have to you don't have don't expect to to kill something every time you go out because that'll never happen so don't don't get discouraged with that just just enjoy the moment and uh just being out in the elements and learning like we're saying sounds good so if people wanted to also follow you specifically or uh, had questions what's the what's the best spot to reach out or check out what you're doing yeah i'm doing a lot of i don't I'm, I'm need to be better about, um, about Facebook. Yeah, I don't use my Facebook that often, but I have my own page set up, Sean Lochtel on, on Facebook. Then I have a Twitter. Don't go to that. It's been hacked. <laughs> <laughs> it's been completely hacked and I don't even know, like I can't even get it fixed. I'll, I'll figure it out sooner or later, but I was not using Twitter and it got hacked. And so, yeah, so don't go there. But, uh, I, I use Instagram mainly. Um, I love Instagram just because we, we kind of pride ourselves in a lot of our photography. And so I can share my photography and stories on there. So follow me on Instagram is, I believe just, yeah, just Sean underscore Luchtel, um, on Instagram. So that's where you'll find me. And, um, other than that, you'll find me on, on our show. So (laughs) Awesome, man. Well, I had a great time. I appreciate you uh, hopping on the show today. Uh, Thanks for sharing all your experience with my listeners. Yeah, thanks a lot for having me on. It's been a blast, and uh, hopefully we can do it again someday. Definitely. All right, y'all, that'll do it for episode 36 of Living Country in the City. Make sure you check out our show notes page at livingcountryinthecity.com slash 36 for all the links to follow along with Sean and Heartland Bowhunter on their adventures. Now make sure you check out Heartland Bowhunter on the Outdoor Channel every Monday, Wednesday, and Thursday, or download the MOTV app and subscribe to My Outdoor TV to take Heartland Bowhunter along with you wherever you go. Thanks for tuning in, and until next time, keep it country, y'all. Thank y'all for listening to Living Country in the City. Get show notes and check out the blog, product reviews, events, and more at livingcountryinthecity.com. The nice thing about having a name like that is you always know when you get those phone calls from uh, telephone marketers, though, you can, uh, you can just hang up immediately. You, know? yeah, you don't even have to worry about talking to them. Is this Mr. Luchtel? <laughs> exactly. I, I, we always get, is this, is this Sam Irez? Nope. <laughs> Wrong number. Spend your Saturdays with life on the water. Join Captain Brandon Simmons for fishing, diving, travel, and so much more. You want to succeed. You want to fish. You want to be one of the greatest. Oh, look at that thing, dude. Wow. <laughs> Let's see what kind of trouble we can get into today. Don't miss Life on the Water every Saturday night from 7 to 9 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV. <laughs> the destination for outdoor entertainment. You want to succeed, you want to fish, you want to be one of the greatest. Tune in to West Marine's Life on the Water, presented by Costa Custom Boats, every Saturday night from 7 to 9 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV.